Well, another episode of Talking Church. Glad to be back with you. It's been going really well. We've, I mean, last the last couple months have been our strongest months. We've yeah. been at many conferences where people have stopped and said they're listening and they're uh, appreciating it, which is so good to hear. And, and it is when you're doing any new initiative, you're always worried about it and wondering, do people care? Are people listening? And so I'm just, I'm thrilled that people are thinking our conversations are are worth listening to. And I think this uh, this episode specifically kind of is, is talking about something that we get asked a lot. Pretty much every generosity accelerator, every conference mm-hmm. we go to, we get asked this question in DMs on social media. And so we want to talk a little bit about the idea of accountability of, you know, there's, when, when you hear a story about a, a high profile leader in the church that has a, whether that be a moral failure or a financial um, issue or you know, something that's newsworthy that the kind of the world grabs a hold of, it immediately sparks questions around accountability, around leadership. Right. Was everything they did real? Was everything they did fake? All, so many things that I think are they become piling on, but it comes from a good place, which is we want to stay accountable. And so I, th- and we don't have anybody in mind or anything. No, like, there's no. nothing like that happened yesterday. Like you're not referring to pastor so-and-so. I mean, or nothing. by I'm the just time saying, this releases, tr- I mean, we don't like, it could be timing that is like, yeah, we don't mean it to be, this is truly, we wanted we to even have talking. a gap between certain things because yep. we want to talk about this, but we're not trying to highlight an individual person because we're all, I mean, I think it really goes back to the root in Romans that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we all deserve death, and God is our Savior, whether we're a pastor or not. Sure. Um, but the Bible also talks about how leaders will be judged more harshly, um, and you know, you will take account for every empty word that you've spoken. And um, it's not a threat to ministers at all, but I think it is a weight it's a weight of the yeah. le- leadership, and you've talked about that before. Um, but I think I think my first thought, and would, would love to just process with you, and, and I would even say to those listening, give us grace in this. We, it's a difficult topic to talk about, but I do believe that it's uh, the right one. When when you hear about whether it be a friend or whether it be somebody that you know makes the news for something, you know our our church has been in the news for things, and it's it's sad, um, but it's it's true. There are people who who make mistakes and who who fall to sin and others who maybe have a a reporter that's out to get them or sure. a magazine that is using a a former member of the church who was hurt maybe maybe they're they're right in their situation but they're using that situation to kind of capitalize on fighting the church and knowing that the media and the world who are not believers are enemies of the church, and that's just there's there's a truth to that. Not everyone. There's some people in the media who are believers, and but but there's a lot of people that love to take advantage of these opportunities. So I, setting the table for that, what kind of jumps to mind when you hear bad news about church leaders or something in that? Well, the first thing that I think of is if it's in the Bible, don't be surprised if it's happening now. Mm-hmm. You know, you look in the Bible and you see Noah getting drunk and laying around naked and, you know, and so that's in the Bible. And then you see people betraying people. It's in the Bible. You see people taking advantage of their brothers or sisters or this. It's in the Bible. You, you know, I love that about the Bible, that it tells us the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it shows us even Judas betrays Jesus. We see Peter denying Jesus. We see the disciples being jealous of like, well, who's the greatest? 
this and who gets the right hand, left hand. We, so it has that human side to it. So it shows us all those things are there. Paul says, Demas has forsaken me loving this present world more and he's left me and he names people. Like, how would you like to be named in the Bible? Like Alexander, the coppersmith, you know, beware, you know. I mean, like he names people and Demas is left. So if it's in the Bible, realize it's it's probably going to happen around you, if not in your ministry. Like not, it doesn't happen to happen to you, but it could happen to somebody in your ministry or in your circle of influence. Or So don't be surprised. It's not like, we're the worst. We're the only ones. Of course it's us. You know, no, it's all over. It's human nature. It's, it's what's happening. So that's the first thing I say. And then the second thing is, don't let one headline or one um, high profile, I don't want to call them celebrity, that's a terrible word, high profile leader that has something happen to them, uh, painted on everybody. Everybody's doing this. The reason it stands out is because it stands out. They, sure. they, it's not like if every other day ministers were falling and it was a high profile person every other day, well, it'd be so common we wouldn't even talk about it anymore. Sure. But we talk about it because it's it's not that common. And you say, well, these seven people. Okay, so seven people over a year mm-hmm. out of hundreds of thousands of ministers in America and then take the world, millions and millions of ministers. So um, it's not as it's everywhere. It's rampant. It's everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. I, I actually serve on a, a a board that has to remove people's credentials. Mm-hmm. Okay, as an executive press reporter, I have to do that six times a year, and it's not thousands of people. It's not hundreds of people when we do this. It's way lower, and it, some of them are like, "I really know what I did is wrong," and others are like, "I'm still angry," but most of them are like, "I know what I did is wrong. I didn't want to do this. I." fell into it. I slipped into it. I tripped into it. I descended into it, you know? And so we look at that. I just, I think it hit me like, it, it's not thousands. I'm not looking at this like, is there going to be anyone left anymore serving Jesus? Yeah. It's like, no, look at the thousands and thousands and thousands of faithful people that never make the news, mm-hmm. but make a difference. Absolutely. You've, I mean, you've been in ministry for 30 plus years, you know, you've been uh, leading River Valley for 27. Um, What, what is in your view, the best way to even handle those situations when it's close to home? And we'll get to when it's not, when it's more in your network. But, but I've seen you manage things, people on our staff that Mm -hmm. make mistakes. There's some mistakes that are, they're sin, but they're, they're private mistakes that are to be dealt with with the pastor and the staff. There's other mistakes right. that are more public. There's others that are crimes that are not just sin, but they're criminal. Um, you, you, you can dive as deep as you want to on this, but but w- what would you recommend to somebody who who's maybe bearing the weight of this? Maybe they, they, they Googled it and found this episode later because they're in the midst of a crisis. And we talked a little bit about this on, on a, a, po- a podcast last month, but... Um, what, what would you say to, to the people who it's very close to home? Yeah, um, I would tell them, do the right thing. Stop worrying about uh, like protecting the angle. Do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm always saying, what does God want me to do? What's the right thing? 
And then, like you were saying, sometimes it's something they did wrong. Maybe they broke a code of conduct. And it requires discipline, and it can be handled internally. It didn't involve another person, but it was a code of conduct issue. Then there's other ones that involve another person. You have to make sure that the other person's being ministered to and taken care of. And then there's other that are criminal. And I mean, I remember when we had a criminal thing happen in church, and Mm -hmm. I told the whole church... Go to the police first if you know anything about this person doing anything wrong. Then come to us. We don't even want it to be clouded that we tried to protect our reputation or whatever. We want to know that we stand with people that are the victim in this, and we want to do this the right way, the legal way. Um, so that uh, it's it's handling it the right way. And then I'll give two thoughts. Like I always want to do what's right before God, even if it hurts. Hmm. Even if it's family, even if it hurts, I want to do what's right before God. And so you got to say, what does God show me in his word? What does God show me in the way that his Holy Spirit is convicting me? And I want to do what's right. And then that's one side of it. And then the other side is I've always said whenever there's something to deal with, I want to take the attitude of like Noah's kids where they their dad's drunk, he's laying around naked, and that says they actually took a blanket and walked backwards. And it's like an honor of like, we know what you've done is terrible. We know what you've done is bad, but we're going to walk backwards and carry a blanket. We're going to cover what you've done in a in a godly way, not cover up. We're going to cover, we're going to deal with, oh, that's probably a better word. We're going to deal with what you did in an honoring way that's not shaming, that doesn't broadcast this to the world, but says, um, we're embarrassed by what you did, but we're going to walk backwards and carry a blanket and cover this up. That's like been my attitude. I don't want to blast it from the rooftop. I want to help this person heal, recover. And remember, the goal of all this is not to get the person to be shamed and like made an example of. The, the goal of this is to get them to repent get you know, right with God to fix the things and make amends and to do all these things. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at the goal of it. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so many thoughts I, I have. I think when the way you've addressed that, I've seen you model that. And I think for Gen Z especially, uh, millennials were this way too, but Gen Z I've seen has a hypersensitivity to hypocrisy. And I think that's part of part of what I believe is um, hurting the church, um, maybe now more than it has. I think social media is another reason to that. But and, and I think it comes together to where the hypersensitivity to hypocrisy means, aha, look at another example and another example and another example. But I think that thinking, unfortunately, is flawed because there's a myriad of examples. There's an there's too many examples. Because we all sin daily. We fall short so consistently. And and I think that's where like, I think there's a truth to that. And I think that hypersensitivity is actually creating great accountability for people. But I also fear that the expectation of perfection creates a false image of God because he's the only one that can be perfect. Yeah, there's so much there to unpack. But I mean, when I look at the... Hypersensitive, hypersensitivity to hypocrisy. Okay, my immediately thought, I, I just think like, wait a minute. I bet if I asked them for their phone and said, let me see your viewing history, hmm. they'd be like, nope, nope, you can't <laughs> see it. And I'm, it's like, 
but we excuse it away in our own lives. Mm. What I've noticed is we excuse it away in our own lives. We're almost like what Jesus said, get the plank out of your own eye before you get the sure. speck. I mean, that's what I would say. And then also um, we excuse away our friends because they're in our in-group. Mm. And so our in-group gets extra grace or understanding. And then there's also a feeling of like, Anybody trying to tell me to live differently than I'm living, I want to aha them. Like, aha, see, you can't tell me what to do. And so there's a lot to unpack in that Um, because I don't see like, like, wow, there's this revival of holiness amongst Gen Z. And they're really, I think it's, they can sense it because they've been trained to sense hypocrisy, uh, to sense when they're being marketed to or angled at, yeah. you know. But I'm just amazed at what, oh, well, no, but that's my, that doesn't count. That's not that bad. Or What would you say to the response, though, that, that but, but they're a leader and they've self-selected themselves to, whether that be a shepherd of a church or a leader of a nonprofit or just a Christian leader, whether that be football or, or business, to where they say, well, they're different because they've taken that mantle of leadership. And so that's why I'm judging them, just like James says. Yeah, I, there is something to the fact that when you're a leader, you're saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. Or uh, on, the, on the things that people are dealing with, the the let's call them the str- the struggles that should be settled as you're a leader there should mm. be struggles that should be settled what what would those be well like i mean you shouldn't be struggling with adultery. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be struggling with being drunk. You shouldn't be struggling. There's, you know I mean? They yeah. should be settled as a leader. You should not be struggling with uh, mismanaging money. They're, they're, those things should be settled yeah. as a leader where you can say, no, I'm an example in this. You can look at the way I live my life and I don't do these. These things are settled. So whenever they're not, that's what makes people go, aha, the leader, you're, you're stepping up and saying, follow me, I'm the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's why it hits people bigger. They're like, look at them. And then also when people are trying to correct you and teach and help you be formed in the image of Christ, and then they're not living up to it, it hurts more because you're like, wait a minute, mm. I was trying to be led by you, corrected by you, molded by you, and then you're not living up to it. That's why it stings even worse. I also think that, and this is true in so many aspects of our life, but we fill in the gaps for the things that we don't know about people and about things. And my, the example and we that, favorably do it for our friends. Yes. And we unfavorably do it for our enemies. Totally. Even celebrities. It's, well, if you love that celebrity, you imagine meeting them and having an amazing conversation with them and thinking they're so awesome. And then maybe you get a chance to meet them and they were a jerk. I was so surprised. Well, maybe it was just a bad day, but that was your perception or vice versa. They're horrible. It's a, it's a team, a person on a different team, a sports team that you don't like and they're horrible they're probably mean they probably hate their kids and it's like wow like just because they're on the different sports team you think that about them but we fill in the gaps for people and then when they don't fit the mold of that maybe it's for the positive or negative it's tough to reconcile because we've already made them out to be who we thought they were and it's like i think of the was it denny green or we are who they thought they were they were who we thought they they were were. who we thought they were but um I think there's some truth to that. No, I do too. And and 
we have that bias. We in-group, out-group bias. We give the benefit of the doubt to the people in our in-group. We judge those people in our out-group. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfair that we do that. I was listening to uh, talk radio, sport radio, and, and they were talking about uh, athletes and celebrities that are total jerks. And I wanted to call in, you know, you're in your car, you're like, I want to call him, but I didn't have time. But I, I wish I could have said, like, there's a difference. People are celebrities or athletes, superstars, because they're gifted. But it doesn't mean that they're graced with manners. And because mm-hmm. you know, they're talking about when a celebrity is rude or a jerk, and is that who they are? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's people that are gifted that move forward, and there's people that are graced and like appreciate their gifts and and love and be around people that are graced with good character and good qualities in yeah. them. One, one of the things you've talked about before is high capacity leaders, highly influential people around the world, whether that be in the church or outside of the church. I think it's even more easy to see it outside of the church. They're quirky. They're, they're, there's a reason why they stand different than the rest of the masses. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at someone like an Elon Musk or you know, there, there's so many examples of like, we love them, like Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and these innovators and these creators. But you look at their personality, they're, they're not normal societally. And even Elon Musk has said, Hey, I have Asperger's. I'm, I'm different. I think different. Steve jobs was known to be a very strong leader firing people, but they, there was something that their talent and their gift set made them to be different. How do you, how does that apply to the church? Well, I mean, there's gifted people that move forward and, and get used and, and, you know, like they, whether they're a gifted communicator and more people show up to hear them speak mm-hmm. or the, she's a uh, gifted leader and more people want to go and follow her because she's a gifted leader and we rally around people. It's like what we do. Yeah. And so uh, we see that happening. And then people that are focused, all of a sudden, if you give that time to it, you become an expert, you grow, that people rally around it. And so it works the same. And usually their hyper-focus or their gift excels them. Proverbs says your gift will get you before kings. Sure, yeah. Like if you're gifted at something, it's going to get you in the right rooms. And so we rally around those gifts and um, we've, we've got to rally around the fruit and the grace that's there. And, you know... It, it's a challenge because we love the gifts and we love to follow and rally around them. And then we expect so much from those people. As someone who runs very fast, um, we have a phrase that we you know, sometimes say around here is we move fast, but not frantic. Um, how do you distinguish as a leader? I think a lot of times when we see uh, leaders in the church that, that, you know, make a, a moral failure or, or fall to sin. It's well, they were going too fast. They were going too fast. Mm-hmm. They were they were they were going to fall off the tracks regardless. Because one once they hit that turn, they were flipping over because they're going too fast. How do you identify and kind of self regulate whether you're moving frantically to where you're being attacked? And and for somebody who runs as fast as fast can be, but I also believe is. I mean, you you lead the way in accountability in a lot of ways that maybe mm-hmm. people don't know, and we can get to that after. I'd love to talk about that yeah. too. But but how how what are the how did that self regulation work to know? Am I moving too fast to where I'm I'm a target of what the enemy's trying to do? I mean, just a, a phrase that comes to me really quick is, "I know, I know, but but you know, like 
I know, I know, but like this one exception. I know, I know, but like excuse it. Yeah, it's like away. it's like you you feel it whether you're excusing it away in your own conscience or the Holy Spirit convicting you or your spouse or your kids or your coworkers or you know if you are saying excuses all the time. That's been a thing for me to look at self regulating. Another thing has been if I'm skipping what I know is right. I'm I'm probably going too fast. Whether it's working out, whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's you see, what I'm saying if I'm skipping the things I know that are important, I know that I'm going too fast. Um, if I can't bring other people with me, you know, on the journey, I'm probably going too fast. If I leave unresolved issues, and it's like, well, we'll just have to deal with that later. I'm going too fast. Mm-hmm. Those are like little checks that I have inside. Um, but I, I reject that people say they're going fast. Of course they're going to crash. No, Moses led how many people out of Egypt and God didn't say, no, Moses, that's way too many people to handle. You only should pastor the amount of people that you know their first name. You know, he's like, you got to leave. He didn't even say pastor. You know, you get the point. I get people that say like, well, if you can't know everybody's first name, you're going too fast. Well, Moses didn't know the millions of people that he brought out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, the church added 3,000 people in one day on the day of Pentecost. And think about it. There was no declared pastor yet. Mm-hmm. So already we had too many people to know. And then they divvied it up. And yeah. then they're like, go, 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 go. And, and so to me, it's like, go to the speed you were created for. Sure. And that's, and, and for everybody, it's different. And then I did a teaching family heavy, family light, and how fast can you go with your family? And talked about it at, con, you know, conference and to do that. So just because somebody's going faster, they have more capacity, don't judge them for that. Sure. Just, you can ask them good questions, but you cannot say that because you can't, they can't. I think what, what I'm hearing you say is, is the speed at which you're going doesn't dictate whether or not you're under uh, attack or under in a in a vulnerable position, vulnerability. Because I actually think knowing you, if you're moving too slow, you're vulnerable. Like, Absolutely. Like it's Matter of fact, when I had my sabbatical, I remember uh, I had my three-month sabbatical and I was doing tried, nothing. 20 years? After 20 years of ministry, I did a three-month sabbatical. And I remember being so idle and sitting around and I even went to a counselor and I said, hey, you know, I just didn't even like the way my thinking changed during this time. And he said, listen, there's nothing wrong. You just stopped doing the things that were bringing meaning to your life. And it was a, it was a void and you started thinking of other things. And, you know, and I just was like, okay, I'm going to stay busy enough. You know, it's kind of like keeping your kids busy enough so they don't get into trouble. Yeah. You know, there you were made to be to on mission and made to fulfill and to do things. And so some people are sitting around so idle that they're falling into problems. Like think about the Bible says the time that kings were supposed to go out to war, David stayed back yep. and then he falls with Bathsheba. He was supposed to be doing something and instead he stayed back and then he falls into something. So being idle can be just as dangerous as going too fast. Totally. No, that's so true. What are jumping into some of the things that you've done over the years? I mean, leading this church for 27, but pastoring longer than that, you've been around people in your life mm-hmm. that have, have you know, fallen into sin. You've also seen that in our church, but you've 
remained mm-hmm. leading this church and leading it from a high level of holiness, but also from a high level of strategic thinking and vision and capacity. What are things that you've done that maybe could be some resources for pastors who are maybe just getting started or they're just, they're, they're saying, ah, I saw, saw this story and I, I want to um, get better, or I saw this episode and I, I was drawn to it. Yeah, I, I, I'll just think through all the different things. Like, um, I'm accountable to my wife, so I, she can take anything she wants. Like, Becca has all my passwords. I mean, she has, she can take my phone at any moment, take it and browse through. Like, it's just so funny. Like, when I hear people like, my husband won't let me see his phone. I'm like, really? <laughs> Red flag. Like, yeah. Or, you know, uh, is it okay if my wife comes home at two in the morning and doesn't tell me where she was? I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> you know, like, I'm telling Becca everywhere I'm going, like, hey, I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm doing this. Oh, here's We my track phone. each other's locations too. We yeah, can, it's like, so funny. You'll text me, like, enjoying golf today. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's right. Yeah. You have, where's my iPhone? You know, and so it's like, Everything I'm I'm accountable to her, and it's an open book, and she can ask anything she wants. She can look at anything. She can. So that is part one. Mm-hmm. Um, part two, I'm actually accountable to my assistant um, that I don't say like uh, I'll be gone tomorrow. Well, where I'm just gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll say, hey, I'm going. I'll even say when I'm leaving, like I'm leaving for lunch. I'll be back in 35 minutes. You know, I, I even say sometimes I'm even going to this restaurant and I'll be back in one hour. Yeah. Or it's in your calendar. Yeah. always. I'm I'm accountable. I'm not like, uh, nothing to see here. You know, where is he? We don't know where he's gone today. You just don't even have a clue where he is. So I'm accountable to my wife. I'm accountable to my assistant. Um, I submit all my travel to our elders and say, here's where I'm going to be. Here's all the places I'm going to be for the next month, two, three months, whatever. And I'll lay it right out there. Um, so those are things we have uh, software programs on computers and yeah, all of our church devices have have our software that that views you know all the browsing history and that reports up. I know I know a lot of churches do that, but we do that. All of our church devices, people on staff who are using devices and who are pastors, they're they're accountable. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you also don't travel alone. I don't travel alone, and I have uh, somebody come along with me. And that's what we do. I just, I, I don't want to uh, get into trouble. And, and some of it is I don't want to get trapped into trouble. Sure. You know, I mean, I, I, I remember once like on a trip and, and a lady like propositioned me and I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm a Christian. <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, I want to have somebody with me on a trip. Like this is early in ministry. And, and I was like, I'm going to have somebody with me. So I just thought, I don't want somebody to trap me. I don't want to trip up in anything. And uh, so those are things I've done. Matter of fact, uh, recently, one of our elders said, whatever we've paid to have somebody travel with you has been worth every dollar. I mean, I don't know what person they were referring to, but they were just seeing somebody else and they're like, it was worth every dollar. Another thing though, is like, I don't drink at all. Mm -hmm. I don't drink alcohol at all. And so I watched people that lose their way. If you want to know, can you go fast or slow? What's worse? I'd say alcohol versus fast or slow alcohol, 10 times worse Yeah, because that lowers your inhibitions. It, I mean, there's so many things that happen when people mix high speed or low speed with alcohol. And so to me, that's another form of accountability. Um, I, I did the Everyman's Battle for Purity 
with all the people in our church, all the men in our church, mm-hmm. and said, hey, it's every man's battle. Um, I'll never forget when I asked your mom if I could, you know, I asked your grandpa if I could marry his daughter, you know. I said, can I marry her? And he's like, quick engagement, all flesh is flesh, even preacher's flesh. I don't want a long engagement. You know, if you've stayed pure this long, it's going to be a short engagement. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm good with that. You know, but it's like, I'm not going to excuse away those things. So I've had those accountability things in place and it's only as good as you want it to be. Like you can trick it. Sure. You can dodge it. You can lie. You can fill your calendar. And so if you don't have it internally, I don't care how many things you put on people's lives, they'll still break it and do it. Yeah. I think the, the follow up to that is, is, you know, you say, follow me as I follow Christ. But when you do that, it, it is a ripple effect down to our team. And, you know, you talk about some of the things that you've done and how you instill that into our team. You know, every team member that gets engaged, one their campus pastor or their department head will Somebody sit down says, with them. Keep your hands off each other. Don't have sex before you're married. If you do, we're going to fire you. We'll be sad when we have to do it, but we want you to live pure and holy. Yeah. You and know? it's not like, I would say that's the only time in in River Valley that we like, actually kind of threaten people. Like, <laughs> yeah. like we don't do that often. That's not our culture, but I will say that's to say like, guys, you... I would rather say we awaken them to the sure. seriousness versus yeah. threat. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to say like, that's not our culture. Our culture is not that way. It's not like consequence-based. Yes. It's usually rewards-based. But I but I yeah. do, a lot of people, when they hear that conversation, they go, wow, like I didn't realize you took that so seriously, but it's, we do. And, and, and I think that there's, there's something to be said even about the accountability of leaders that are willing to do that for people. And did yeah. you did you feel that you had like there were people in your life that led you that way to get you to where you are or do you think it was a byproduct of what you saw growing up? What No, it was just a personal experience and nobody doing it for me and me thinking, you know what? I'm going to do this for other people. I'm going to do that. Um, that was that was probably the biggest thing that led me to doing that. Got it. Do you feel like there was like an aha, aha moment ever? It's just you... watching people fall and watching, you know, you see it enough and you're like, wait a minute, there's some trends. And one thing, like most people say, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, I fell into it. Yeah. So I was like, how'd you fall? Where'd you start down the path? What was the first thing that you did? Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember this, I was going to say this, um, when we were getting our loan for the building, our very first loan, mm. it was like $14 million, okay? A lot of money. First and, loan, wow. And it was like a big deal. And they made me get a key man insurance policy. And I remember saying like, you're trying to insure my heart and my body, my physical body, but you, you're trying to also judge my character to give me this loan. And I said, you're talking to me, if you wanna judge my character, talk to my wife, talk to my kids without me there and see if they say I'm the same person Hmm. at home and at church and out there. Um, And they laughed. They said, wow, that's a good test. I don't know if we could legally do that though. Talk to your wife and your kids without you there. But my point was like, see if I'm consistent. And even when uh, Connor's wife, Alexia, lived with us for three months, you know, Connor had his own place and she was living with uh, Becca and I. And everybody was like, what are they like? What are they like when they're at home? She's like, they're the same. They're the same as when they're in their office and the church. They're the same. Like, it's been a joy to be in their home because 
they're the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so. I always love the chances I get to lead our welcome home class. And every time I do it after the video, this is the story of the church, I always just share for a brief moment and say, hey, obviously you know that I'm, you know, their son and I'm here on staff, but I just want to say they are real and at home they're real at in the office they're real and there's ups and downs everyone has has things they need to work on everyone has one has sure. imperfections but if you're wondering is this a church that the that the guy on the platform is the same at home it's true this is that church and you and he they are those people and so i i love getting to share that with people all around the world and in our welcome home class here at church but it's true and i would just say for those listening like if you're in ministry be that way and mm-hmm. and and fight for fight for holiness fight for the well done like you look at you look at the 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 collateral damage of what sin does and i i think it it's not even to highlight the individual it's to highlight the evil of sin and what it does to people work hard to do that. And I, again, even being young, I'm like, wow, I have a long ways in, in ministry to continue to be faithful and to be holy and to do this. Um, but, but one of the last things I want to make sure we address is when someone falls, what does that mean about their ministry? Because I think there are people who are listening, some that are pastors, but others that are not pastors that are going, hey, I heard about this story right. or I heard about, and again, maybe there's another headline. I don't know. But people ask, was their ministry fake? Was it was it all a sham? Did they use us and it was all... The, I'm going to go lose my faith now because right. they couldn't do it. Right, no. I, my biggest thing... So I was at a Bible college where the president and founder of the Bible college was on national TV for uh, um, falling in morality, immorality. And um, people were like, I quit. I'm going to walk out on Jesus. I'm done. If he can't stay holy, I can't stay holy. It was your senior year. It was my senior year of Bible yep. college. And uh, I remember thinking, no, I wasn't following them. I mean, like I was here, but I'm following Jesus and Jesus never failed. So I'm going to follow him and I'm not going to lose my faith because of somebody else's uh, problems. And so I've never let anybody else's problem keep me from walking with God. Um, what it means is they fell. They they sinned, but that doesn't give you permission to equal them, mm-hmm. you know. And it doesn't mean that what they said wasn't true. Um, there's a lot of people that preach the word and don't live up to all of it. Um, it the words, the word of God is still true, and all of His promises are true. And Jesus is perfect, and His followers aren't. And never forget, we all need grace to get in. And so, I'm not going to lose what I have because of somebody else. Number one. Number two, uh, just because they did doesn't mean I have to. You know, like, well, if they fell, then I'm going to fall. And I've heard people say, well, my dad was this and my grandfather was this. Well, no, you can break that. Jesus doesn't mm-hmm. say, and you're doomed. He said, no, and I've come to change you. I can help you renew your mind. And then the other thing is whenever anyone does fall around me, I usually say, it's a wake-up call. I reassess. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, okay, this thing broke on this car. Let's do a recall on the car. That's what they do with, with cars. If something's wrong, then they say, recall, all cars come in and get this fixed. Mm-hmm. I would say every time somebody falls in ministry, all pastors should say, recall, yep. let's all reassess our brakes. Let's reassess the accountability that we have in our life. Let's reassess, are we going too fast, too slow? Or have we introduced something into our life that needs to go? 
that's what we should do. Instead of throwing everybody out, let's do the recall. Maybe that's a good thought. You know, I think that's a great thought. Do the recall. I think we should end there. I would love if you could just end, and sometimes we do this, but if you could just end in prayer, just that yeah. we would be steadfast in that. Lord, I just pray for all of us uh, that are involved in serving you and following you that we are not perfect. You are perfect, and we have been given grace. And I just pray that we'd live in that perfecting state, that we'd want to keep perfecting what you put in us and have it look more like you. And so God, help us to put up safety rails and guardrails and help us to have accountability and help us to have the ability that we were honest before you. It doesn't do us any good to pray uh, dishonest. So help us to be honest before you and to live in that way. God, if anybody's tempted right now, help us to restore them, to pull them back. If anybody's uh, fallen over the edge, help us to be gracious to them and help us to restore them to whatever level they can be restored. And help us, Lord Jesus, to model living, holy model living, uh, accountable model living, wanting to do the right thing for your glory and for your honor. So blessing upon everybody listening to this. Help them to put in the right steps and to live for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.